In 2005, I met Paul Kiff. Paul and Samantha were the first wedding that I ever took as a newly ordained minister. And Paul walked into my office one day um, at St. Mary's Church, where I was a curate. I was a newly um, practicing minister. I was doing my sort of internship. And Paul walked to the door and he said to me, my whole life has been filled with chaos. He had been a Marine in the British Army. He had worked, the Royal Marines are sort of like the Navy SEALs. They're the crack squad of elite fighting force who are the rapid response to um, whatever happens in the world. And they're sent in to sort things out. And he had done tours in the Middle East and he was suffering with depression. And he landed at my door one day, out of the blue, said, hi, my name's Paul. And I don't know what is going on in my life, but I feel like I'm standing at a doorway and I don't know how to walk through, but I need something that God has for me. And we talked about Jesus. And we talked about Jesus as the doorway. And we talked about um, this door being open and the invitation to come in. And if you like, it's a bit like this invitation we've been talking about the past few weeks. Come to the table. The invitation to us as a church to come to the table, but also to be inviting those who are outside of the church to come to the table of the Lord and to find hope and healing and salvation. Um, Paul came on the Alpha Course at St. Mary's and he gave his life to Jesus. He brought his um, fiance along and on the next Alpha he brought his mother-in-law along as well and on the healing night on Alpha his mother um, had, had arthritis and a sort of claw hand she couldn't move especially in winter um, for a few years and on the night about healing on Alpha um, she was prayed for and a couple of days later she came running into my office and she said look Jeremy look I said what what she said, my hand, it's healed. She said, I haven't been able to do this for four years. And I was um, with my friends, and I said, look, what happened? And I said, Jesus has healed me. And I was so excited because, firstly, she'd been healed. But secondly, she um, really got the message. It wasn't the person who prayed for her or how it happened. But Jesus had met with her and healed her. And that was the message that she was sharing with her friends. Jesus has healed me. Jesus gives me hope. And so through um, Paul's life into Samantha, his fiancée, and they uh, then had the privilege of taking their wedding, and his mother-in-law, and the knock-on into other friendships, um, the gospel message um, spread and penetrated into these beautiful people's lives. Now, at first sight, the mission that Jesus has given us, the church, seems like an impossible one. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. It seems impossible. It seems overwhelming. Yet our mission is given by Jesus and is not impossible. Jesus said to Peter, from now on, you will be catching people. And this is about the central mission of the church. This is what we're made for. And in this passage in Luke chapter 5, Jesus shows us how. How do we go about this mission? Impossible. Or maybe it is possible. 
Is this a bit loud? I hear myself reverberating. Okay, as long as you're fine. The context for the passage that we read this morning is Luke, following Luke chapter 4. And Luke chapter 4 is quite incredible because it starts with the temptation of Jesus. Jesus going out into a desert. Now many of us feel like we've been in a desert. Um, literally, in our lives, in the world, in what we've been through the past three years, and what St. John's has been through, it's felt like a desert. It's felt like a, a testing It's felt dry. It's felt lonely. It's felt like, God, where are you in this? And Jesus himself went through this testing. He went through this period in the desert of testing. The very next part of Luke chapter 4, Jesus walks into the synagogue in, um, in his local town in Nazareth. And he stands up and he unveils this. uh, What do you do? Unrolls the scroll um, of Isaiah and he reads, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news. He declares his purpose, his identity, what he's come for. So following the wrestling comes a place of Jesus saying, This is who I am and this is what I'm made for. And immediately after that, he starts to preach the good news. It's what Mark chapter 2 says, um, the kingdom of God is here, Jesus says. The time is now, the kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe the good news. And he starts speaking this message. And not just speaking it, but doing it. And so the very next part, also in Luke chapter 4, Jesus drives out an evil spirit. He delivers um, someone in darkness and brings them into the light. The next passage, um, he, he heals. He starts with uh, Simon's mother-in-law, and he heals her, and that's amazing in itself, but then he goes out to heal many. And so the story goes, and into this context of Jesus being tested in the deserts, finding his identity, stating um, his identity confidently, starting to preach the good news, drive out demons, heal the sick, he now calls his first disciples. And in quite an amazing way. So people are drawn to him. All that's going on around him just draws people to him. Um, It's why we shouldn't be surprised when we find ourselves going, I need to read more of this word. Sometimes it feels dry, but, but keep persevering, come back to it because it's exciting. There's so much here. There's so much that draws us closer to a relationship with Jesus. That's the point. And so Jesus puts out the boat. And, um, and we start to see something quite incredible. The first thing that Jesus shows us in this passage about the mission is that the potential is vast. The potential out there is vast. Verse 4, um, just have a look, uh, Luke chapter 5 and verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. I had an interview with Jackie Pullinger, the uh, missionary to Hong Kong. I was just listening to it yesterday. And in it, she talks about how 
she had come to faith in Jesus. She was all excited about Jesus. She wanted to go and tell the world about Jesus, but she didn't know where to start. So she went to her local vicar, her local Anglican minister, and said, where do I start? And he said, go and find the cheapest ship you can get on that'll go to some places in the world and get on the ship and see where God tells you to get off. And she was excited by that. It gripped her heart. And so she, that's what she ended up doing. Um, and she said, that's a good idea. I'll, I'll do it. She said, many people have asked me since then, because that happened, I think, back in the 60s or something. Um, they've said to me, okay, so must I go and get on a ship? She said, no, please don't. That was my word. Because at every moment in your life and in your story, the Holy Spirit will speak to you in a particular way and tell you what you need to do. You can't go and do what someone else was told to do. And in this situation, Simon is told, put the boat out into deeper water and let down the nets for a catch. That was the word to Simon that day. I had a sense in my spirit as I was preparing this, even despite what I've just said about Jackie Pullinger, that God might want this word to be received for St. John's today. Put out into deeper water. Put out into deeper water. Let down your nets for a catch. Oh my gosh. But God, that's overwhelming. We've been all night out on the fishing boat. We've been on the water all night. We've caught absolutely nothing. You don't know fishing. We're the fishermen. Please. You know, we've been at this for years, God. And, and we just don't see that increase. We don't feel like we're catching the fish. We don't know if we're achieving our mission. Please, God. And yet he says to Simon, put out your boat into the deeper water and let down your nets for a catch. William Barclay, in his commentary on Luke, says that it was known at that time that the waters of the Sea of Galilee were teeming with fish. There were loads of fish. In fact, if you put them all together, it was like a solid acre of fish in depth and breadth and width. It was just so much fish. So it wasn't that there were no fish in the lake. That wasn't the problem. And as we look at the world today, we might think, well, this, you know, we've done all the evangelism and mission that we can. We've done our job. It, it's, it's done now. But there are thousands, there are millions of people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, who haven't found their home in God, who have a desire for purpose, have a desire for spirit, a spiritual hunger. It's in the heart of every human being. There's a longing in the human soul for a relationship with God, whether we know it or not. And time and time again, people, as may be true for you, as we come to the Lord, we realize there was that longing all the way along. There was something in me, longing, and I found it when I met with Jesus Christ and he became my savior. So the potential is vast. But the second thing that he shows us is that nothing is impossible with God. Jesus makes what seems impossible, possible. They were going about it the wrong way. So often we want to do things that we've always done before, the way that we've done them before, maybe because it's safe, maybe because it's comfortable, maybe we're afraid to fail. And in verse 2, let's take a look at verse 2. 
Jesus sees at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. They were cleaning their nets, washing their nets. There's no risk of failure in cleaning your nets. Have you ever thought, why were, the, why were they cleaning their nets? They'd been out all night fishing and they'd caught nothing. Surely those nets weren't that dirty. But they went back to what they knew, what was safe and comfortable when you're not catching any fish, and they cleaned nets. There's nothing wrong with cleaning nets. It's essential, but it's not the main purpose of the nets. When the church stops catching fish, it starts cleaning nets. To look busy. Have you ever seen or heard of the the bumper sticker that says, Jesus is coming, look busy. Because we want to be doing the right thing or seem to be doing the right thing and it doesn't feel like we're doing the right thing and so the next best thing is, well, cleaning nets. Eventually, we give up trying to catch fish because, well, that will just make these nice clean nets dirty again. It's so messy to catch fish. They come with all their problems. You've got to gut them and get their scales off and clean nets again. It's so much easier just to keep and more convenient to keep the nets clean. I think I'm a bit like that in my household. My girls will tell you. I want everything just to be right, especially in our kitchen. I love a clean kitchen because I love cooking. And I love to arrive in a kitchen that's clean. But when the kitchen's dirty, it, it plays with my head. You know, whether I dirty it or someone else dirty it, I get in there. And I, you know, before I um, did anything else this morning, I went to the kitchen and made myself a cup of coffee. And there were some things left over from last night. And everything had to be cleared away, had to be cleaned, had, everything had to be just right. And then I could start with my coffee. Some people would say I'm OCD. But the purpose of the kitchen isn't to be cleaning it. It's to be clean in order that it can be cooking and providing food for that table that Sam talked about. That there's fruit, there's always something for anyone who comes in. The purpose is what's important. Thank goodness the passage doesn't end with Peter saying, or Simon saying, um, we caught nothing. We caught nothing. Look at verse 5. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. Perhaps there was a very long pause at this point. And in that time, Jesus was just looking into Peter's eyes. It's hard to think of him as Simon when you always read about him as Peter. Jesus is looking into his eyes, caught nothing all night. Pause, pause. Okay, God, but because it's you, Jesus, because it's you, we'll do it. Because you say so, I'll let down the nets. And because he did, because he was willing to believe Jesus, to take him at his word, to do the very thing that Jesus asked him to do, Jesus made what seemed impossible possible. And he's the same Jesus today. He's the same Jesus as he was 2,000 years ago on that boat with Simon. He's with us today. If you're willing to listen to the voice of Jesus, 
and to respond obediently, you will see Him take your impossible and make it possible. That's who He is. Before I came to St. John's, I worked um, for Alpha, the organization that um, helps churches run Alpha courses and marriage and parenting courses. And Alpha has an incredible story. It, there was one Alpha course in, back in 90, the early 90s. And in 1994, the course that was run at one little church in London, the church had a vision that God wanted to change the world, not just this local community. And so they started to share what they had. And from 1994, um, one church became something like 7,000 churches in the UK and 20,000 churches in other countries that started to run this alpha, not just in the church, but in um, homes and in schools and in prisons as a tool for saying, come to the table, come and eat a meal with us, hear a message about the good news of Jesus, and let's talk about it. And let's talk about that longing in your heart. I had the privilege in the early days of my working with Alpha to work with the prisons. And seeing Alpha go from one to five to seven to 123 UK prisons. There are 158, or there were at the time, UK prisons. And just prisons opening their doors, chaplains saying, can you tell us more about this tool? Churches saying, we work in this prison, can we use it in our prison? And then in uh, around 40 other countries, including South Africa. In the early days, in the 90s, Alpha was running in Polesmore. Soon after, it started expanding um, because of people in St. John's Parish and in Cape Town. And it's brought churches together and it's brought people together and thousands, if not millions, of people have come to know a relationship with Jesus Christ because of it. The potential is vast and nothing is impossible with Jesus but it can't be done alone it can't be done alone verse 7 they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them and they came and filled both boats so that the boats began to sink it can't be done alone no work for the kingdom is a one man or one woman job God's work, His kingdom work, is designed for the whole team to play, for every one of us to find our part and play a role in the work of growing His kingdom, of sharing this good news. I've really enjoyed the past few months getting to know some of the ministers at the other Weinberg churches, and we have a fraternal. We meet each month and we pray together. Um, last Two weeks ago, it was here at St. John's. And we met together and we shared stories of what God is doing in our churches. The hard stuff and the good stuff. And we prayed for one another. And I just see the opportunity as we come to work in partnership in the kingdom. And we say, how can we work together at what God is calling us to? That we're able to do so much more and what's impossible in our eyes becomes possible. Because Jesus is fueling it. And he's calling us and our yes is to Jesus. We're in this together. We're coming up to hopefully starting Alpha here at St. John's at the end of July. That's not so far away. And next week um, we'll start having sign-up sheets and um, invitations to share with others 
um, available. But on Alpha, there are many roles. There's an opportunity for everyone to play a part. So you might think, well, you know, I'm quite a busy person. But the opportunity to say yes to this invitation could include being a host or a helper in a small Alpha, uh, alpha discussion group. It could be to playing a, an administrative role, a role with the food, with serving the food or making the food or washing the dishes, with prayer, with giving to support others coming on Alpha. It's a partnership. It's a, a place where everyone gets to play. Some may feel, I can't practically be here, but I could be on a prayer team that is interceding for what God is doing. There are lots of different ways. And I'd love you, if you consider yourself a part of the St. John's family, to pray about how could I, Jesus, what is the part that you're calling me to play on this team? We are in this together sharing a vision that God has given us together for the good news of the gospel being proclaimed from St. John the Evangelist. And the fruits. Uh, the, the, this work of partnership is the fruit of unity, but the fruit of working together to say yes to Jesus is also unity. It's a beautiful picture because it's a it's a growing closer of community. It's a picture of being aligned in hearts and minds about the things God is calling us to. It can't be done alone. It's a partnership. And fourthly, it's a vision worth going for. It's a vision worth going for. Jesus said to Simon in verse 11, I, I think he must have been overwhelmed because... He'd fished all night, he'd caught nothing. And then he did what Jesus said, and then he caught everything, and they had to call the other boats. And the boats began to sink. And it wasn't just, oh, cool, look how many fish we caught. It was a, what is going on? Who is this Jesus Christ of Nazareth? And what is he doing to my world? And Jesus said, don't be afraid. Yes, you're getting into something much bigger than you've ever been part of. But don't be afraid, he says, very interestingly. It's not don't just be amazed, it's don't be afraid. Don't be anxious in this situation. From now on, you will catch men and women. So they left everything and they followed Jesus. In other words, they were willing to say, this is so exciting, this is so much bigger, I want to be part of what God is doing, um, of people coming into the kingdom of God, of finding a relationship with him, of life's change, this is worth giving my life to. This is worth leaving everything behind. And working together in partnership to do the work of the church, to be the church of Jesus Christ, is hard work. It does take sacrifices. Sharing the gospel with friends, inviting them to Alpha, does take sacrifice. Oh, I have to give up my series on Wednesday night. Or, oh, you know, what about this thing that I do? Or that thing? Or, I'm just too busy. They made sacrifices because the potential of what God was calling them to, the picture, the vision before them was so much bigger. In conclusion, I just want to say I think this is a word for us. 
I know it's a word to me today to get out of my comfort zone, out of any places where I find myself cleaning nets. Where do you find yourself cleaning nets, perhaps? Just doing what's, what's easier or comfortable or doesn't take too much risk. Put your boat into deeper water, Jesus said, and put down your nets for a catch. What does that mean for you in your own life? What does that mean for us as St. John's? Yes, we're tired. Yes, we've been through testing, wrestling with identity, with purpose. But Jesus is speaking to you and to me today. Stop cleaning your nets now. Go deeper. Let down your nets. That's what your nets were made for. That's what you are made for. That's what we are made for. Jesus is looking into our eyes in that long pregnant pause when we say, but you know, we've tried. We've been fishing all night. He's looking into your eyes. He's looking into my eyes today. Will you say yes to Jesus? Will St. John say yes to Jesus? Will I say yes to Jesus? Wherever he calls us, whatever he shows us. And our yes requires our listening. And so if we're not listening, we'll be saying yes to the wrong question. So listen, let's listen. Let's, let's put our hearts and our effort into taking time to stop and listen to the Lord, to read his word, to be with God.